0: He is the modern day Don Nealon
1: But Don Nealon's Mountaineers enjoy walking in where angels fear to tread He's bought into the program As the hills of West Virginia resound with the sounds of Goldenfield football, football It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be Let them know, leave no doubt tonight, leave no doubt tonight. No doubt, they shouldn't play the old gold blue. I was watching ESPN today, and they showed a little thing about uh, our game tonight in the poll.
2: And the whole U.S. was covered in red, and the only state, greatest state in the nation,
1: was covered in blue. And that was West Virginia, and that's why we won this game.
2: Trust the climb.
1: And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. Mountaineer Nation, let's ride.
0: What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads Webcast. This is Season 5, Episode 131 of the CRW Pod, our backyard brawl review and reaction show. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, and I've got my co-host here with me. We've got Bradley.
1: What's up, everybody? Hey, Steven. What's going on, everybody?
0: All right, gentlemen. So, having seen the highlights now and having had more than a couple days now to digest everything, let's uh, verbally regurgitate a little bit of what we digested with uh, a little bit of our opening thoughts following West Virginia's 38-31 to 31 season opening loss. Steven, why don't you go ahead with your opening thoughts? And Bradley, once he's done, we'll go ahead and hear yours. You can follow him up.
1: Uh, Well, first of all, I think that, um, you know, I think it's been well stated and well, you know, that it was a great representation of the rivalry, a great, you know, showcase for for our fan base. Um, So I'm really happy to be a part of what was announced later, I think yesterday, that it was the largest sport, uh, largest crowd in Pittsburgh sports history. So that was, you know, when you think about what that and in its entirety, that's very impressive. I think after you get over the sting of of the loss and, and, you know, losing to who it was, uh, I think I'm very truly optimistic about what this team can do. I think that um, I mentioned it several times uh, to you during the game that this is the first time that I can remember in in several years that that West Virginia played a complete game on all three phases. Um, You know, we're usually sitting here thinking, man, if we – if we would have had a better defense in that game, we would have won or or vice versa on the offensive side of the ball. And I truly, honestly, can sit here and tell you that I feel confident in all three phases of the game. Um, I just think that it was a truly great game. Um, there's There's been truly several, several close games down the, the stretch of the, uh, even the last two decades that were really good ball games and were really fun to watch. But, that you know, it was a – this game was a multitude of just really great plays and really great fundamental football being played on both sides, and I'm not, you know, going to sit here and say that uh, Pitt played horrible, you know, or whatever. Pitt had a great showing and had a great football team, and uh, unfortunately we came out on the wrong end of it. But I'm truly optimistic and, and even more firmly planted in my nine and three prediction after watching it
2: yeah for sure um i think going into it i I agree with Stephen that going from last year to this year it definitely you can definitely tell we're a much better team and and that's an all phases of the ball like steven said um we looked good on offense we had some explosiveness and pop plays price ford wheaton looked um better than we've ever seen him before um Offensive line still a big question mark for us. Uh, I still ha- I had a few things, a few negatives that I think really stood out to me. Um, I really I know it's been a big talking point and people have their differing opinions on it, but I really disagree with the call to not go for it on fourth and one. Um, I'm sure we'll dive into it a little bit more later, but yeah, from for right now, like I just disagree. I think that that we should have gone for it on fourth and one. Um, other than that, though, like I think we've looked good, and I think that you know especially going into this game, it was an amazing game. Let me say that as well, because it was just a wonderful game to watch. It was so much fun, a lot of back and forth. I mean, they've even said that this is um, one of the highest viewed Thursday games in five years. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. everything that it was promised to be, and it was amazing. It sucks that we came out on the negative end of it. The only thing that would have made that game better is is a Mountaineer win. And so, you know, I think that the team that made the least amount of mistakes won and um you know i'm really hoping that the mountaineers bounce back and i think that we we look even better than i expected so
0: all right well said from uh from both of you i think and uh a lot of points to to touch on i believe here as we go through with our reactions to the game and just try and you know put everything on the table and you know get through our feelings and deal with the loss if you will i guess but there's definitely many talking points that have come out after the game of things that should or shouldn't have happened. And the biggest of which Bradley, I'm glad you brought it up is the fourth down because I did want to get into it kind of at the top right away. Cause I mean, that's all it seems like that's all anyone is really talking about. And I know me and you had a nice little point counterpoint on Twitter. And of course we can get into some of that here in a second, but Stephen, I haven't really he- heard your opinion as far as that, that fourth down too much. A lot of people were you know, saying it's, They'll they'll never trust Neil Brown again. I mean, the, the people are being really extreme with their reaction because he didn't go for that <clears> fourth down. I feel like, in my opinion, and um, I don't, I you know, I'm not. Well, I'll I'll tell you whether I would agree or disagree with it. You know, personally, I would have gone for it, of course. But like when I hear his reasoning, I understand and everything. But I haven't heard your your opinion on it, Stephen. What what is your take on the fourth down, the call itself, and then the subsequent reaction to said call or the decision not to go for it anyway uh, since the game?
1: Uh well first of all I think that Travis Hunter on SportsLine earlier tonight put it best and I think that um he said that if you've watched Mountaineer football over the years and you know we as Mountaineer fans in this fan base know know what I mean and know what he means by saying this if you've watched Mountaineer football in even the last two decades not including <laughs> in its entirety you know what happens you everybody in the in that stadium uh, where in west virginia knew what was going to happen if we punted that football and and it did happen um and so for that reason i I absolutely agree with with brad and and i think that we should have one thousand percent went for it especially when you have cj donaldson pounding up pounding the rock up the middle all night the way that he was doing with that said the the subsequent backlash from the fan base uh, towards Neil Brown, <clears throat> I, I think if we went for it and say that he he goes for it and even gets um gets that fourth down conversion, there's something else that the fan base is going to pick out. Um, because you, know, you don't know that even if he go, you know we go for that that we even still win the game. And I'm not I'm not trying to like make up what if scenarios, but I'm just saying like I think that. We as a fan base and and people as a whole in any fan base, it's easier to pick out one play or pick out one thing in a football game when you lose something so heartbreaking, you know, such as a game like this and such emotional power as this game holds. And I think that no matter what, people are going to talk. So even if he would have went for it, they would have found something to, to say against Neil Brown. I think that by this point, we can we can only hope to under hope that Neil Brown understands that no matter what, there's going to be backlash from some people in the fan base. But
0: yeah, uh, uh, without a doubt, without a doubt, I've yeah, unless you're winning, there's always going to be questions.
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I think until That's you get to that have point to, come. to where, yeah, the, right, exactly, right. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say next. And until you get to the point to where you're winning on a consistent basis people are going to say what they're going to say and uh, as unfortunate as as that is that's the world that we live in uh so my thoughts are on on the subsequent backlash i guess my thoughts are it is what it is unfortunately
0: yeah i mean you're not gonna you're not gonna stop it or whatever it's it's gonna come usually there's gonna be something that people point out on but here's my here's my thing on it um and i hadn't really i know like i said brad me and you talked about it a little bit but I started thinking about it either – I don't know if it was earlier today or yesterday, I can't remember. But here's one of the things that really hit me when I started thinking about it a little bit deeper, right? To me, it's about execution, right? Like if he goes out, if he says go for it, it's about executing that play, getting it, you would have to do that. And when he chose to punt, they need to execute that, and they did. They executed that. They pinned him inside the 10-yard line, made him go 90 yards, you know, six minutes, and you're trusting your defense to execute in turn, right? And unfortunately, they didn't. And to me, what that goes back to – is one thing during the offseason that Neil Brown was talking about that he thought the defense could improve on that they didn't do last season is a lot of games they had at late situations where the game was tied and West Virginia needed a stop to get the ball back or to prevent the team from kicking a game-winning field goal, and they couldn't finish. Oklahoma comes to mind, couldn't stop them. Oklahoma kicks in, winning field goal. Texas Tech, same scenario. And then I'm sure there's plenty of others that I can't think of off the top of my head, but West Virginia could have got a stop and got the ball back and had a chance to win. And in this game, it was no different. They were hoping, counting on their defense to finish and that Neil Brown was thinking, you know, I've preached all season that, you know, our defense needs to finish when they're put in these situations. And he was trusting in them to do so, just like he was trusting in the special teams to execute and and pin the punt inside the 10, and they did. But the defense just didn't hold up their end of the deal, right? It's complimentary football, and that was very complimentary towards the defense. But they just didn't execute, and that's the bad thing that I hate is that they. It's something that they knew was a focus in an area they needed to improve, right? And they didn't. The defense still couldn't finish when West Virginia really needed them to, much like last season. And to me, that's what hurts me more than the decision itself. I think.
1: What yeah, great point.
2: <laughs> Definitely. And I think that that's where, because my, my viewing of this, and I'll tell you my initial reaction, um, we get out there our fourth and one, I fully expected No Brown to go for it. And the second he decided to take a delay game penalty and punt it, I sat down and I said, No Brown, you can't, you can't do this. And I think that my, my, my feeling comes from that it wasn't a bad call, but it was absolutely the wrong call. And, you know, that's when you got people pulling up, you know, you got an 87%, you know, metrics, 82% if you punt it, 87% chance if you you go for it, not that big of a margin of difference. But to me, it's just, you know, that's where it proves it. Again, it wasn't a bad call, but it was absolutely the wrong call because you've got CJ Donaldson that has been absolutely pounding the rock all night and is going to get – the guy was averaging 12 yards a carry. I mean, he's going to get a yard. I don't care what anybody says. There's nothing in this world that was going to stop that man from getting a yard and, you know, that's – to and like Jordan said, you know, he was relying on the defense to come up and make a play, you know, pin them deep, but even then, if you don't execute on the punt, then they're still getting the ball at the 20-yard line. If you really trust in your defense, go for it on fourth and one. I mean, yeah, you're giving them a short field, but you still believe in your defense to be able to stop them no matter what, no matter where they're at on the field. So, you know, why not take that chance on fourth and one, and when I've talked about it, is taking the game into your own hands. Like, instead of going for the dagger to the throat, Neil Brown instead decided to let um, let uh, Pitt prove that they they couldn't do it. You know what I mean? And instead of proving that we can, he let Pitt try to prove that, you know, he tried to prove that Pitt couldn't. And Pitt did. They came out and they did it. And, yeah. you know, when he made that fourth and one call, it's just one of those things is you can't do it. And I feel like that's why we've lost some of these 50-50 games is because we take a back seat and rely on a defensive play when really, especially, and I get it, our offense has been atrocious the last few years. When you're looking as good as we did on Thursday night, you got You got to give them a chance, man. And I think that that's where I see that, you know, we brought in Graham Harrell to kind of fix these issues, you know, a man that's willing to take those shots and being able to, like, you know, load, take that load on his shoulders. And I think that's where I still see Neil Brown's hands in the offense. And I think that he's just too passive. I want to see him – he does not show the ability to have that killer instinct. The man knows football to a great extent, but he has not shown the ability to have that killer instinct to go out there and will his team to finish. And I think that it was his call to punt it, and I think that Graham Harrell would have gone for it 100 times out of 100, knowing that his running back was absolutely bullying Pitt all night. And so, Brown really step in. You know, he needs to let Graham Harrell just cut them loose Absolutely, go out there and ball. Like I think they can. So yeah, I I just think that that fourth and one point. Yeah, you can look at all the other what ifs in the game, but that's one of the ones where it comes down to our coach. A four year head coach should know that you know, in that situation, fourth and one is where you have to do it. In those situation, in that situation, with those, you know, that scenario, it you have to you have to go for it on fourth and one.
1: Yeah, but you can't. You can't. You know, sit here and harp on that for like the whole – you can't let that define you for the rest of the season. And, you know, if you harp on it that much, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to, you know, eventually feel infiltrate into, the, you know, some of the rest of the games. You know, it was a bad decision, sure, but, you know, like crew, I, I would have went for him fourth and one, and I still stand by that decision. But like crew said, his reasonings were good reasoning. So
2: hmm.
1: I don't want to, like, be – there's so many people that, that give no one a chance. They're just like, as soon as something happens, fire him. You know what I mean? And Yeah, and I mean, I, him I'm him.
2: absolutely not calling for the fire, Neil Brown. I thought what no, no, he no, did. No, no, no. Yeah, know that's not our team looked that. amazing. Special teams looked absolutely phenomenal, and I give all credit to Neil Brown for that because that man's had his hands in it, and it's looked great. But, I, I again, I stand by the fact that I think that he needs to take his hands completely off the offensive play calling and let Graham Harrell handle it.
1: I would, I wouldn't be so opposed to that. I will, I will agree with that.
0: All right. Well, here's here's something I was thinking about too when, when you think about it, right? Because how many times have we seen in big games, especially like where West Virginia is playing an opponent that they're, you know, the, the opponent's favored to beat West Virginia, right? You know, look back since Neil Brown's been here in those type of games, he always says he goes forward on fourth down more in those games, right? And so how many times have we seen him, you know, it's fourth five, fourth or six, and he goes for it and everything, right? So to me, I think maybe he didn't go for it because it's the backyard brawl, because it's atypical for Neil Brown to do that, I think. So to me, maybe because it was the backyard brawl and he knew it was important, he overthunk it and it was like, this is this game's important. He said, I better play it safe here. You know, that's what I kind of think it went into his decision. He may never admit that, but to me, I think because it was the backyard brawl, He tried to play it safe, when in reality he should have just play it the way he normally does any other game, and just go. Because I mean, it was less than a yard when I rewatched it on. Oh yeah, I mean it was literally from from in the stadium. It looked it looked decent. Yeah, from in the stadium it looked like almost a full yard, but when I watched it on the thing, I was like, dude. Just quarterback sneak Daniels, like he just scored yeah. a touchdown from further out. You got a that. six
2: foot two, two hundred and thirty pound running back with a hundred and twenty yards, like twelve See, and a half. To like me, 12,
1: it's just like twelve and a half after he contacted. He's not stopped. More like, you know, I I fully agree. The Ree Smith wasn't a catch. That that wasn't a catch. It was a very very close. No. Yeah, I think it's as close it to being. I think it's as close to being a catch without being a catch. I do think that. Because it, it rolled slightly there at the end. However, I think more so that well, what angers me more so than you know the Neil Brown decision was you know if the Reese if that Reese Smith non catch isn't a catch, then how is the one by the pit tied in a catch earlier in the football game? Right. You know what I mean, and well, and the thing, and that's also the thing a hot about also but-
0: they're both ruled a catch on the field. So if one was ruled a catch on the field, you couldn't overturn it. Then how can you overturn the other one that was also really catch on the
1: field? Exactly. So to to me, you know, it falls more on like like what do we? I'm not blaming anything on the officiating. That is not what I'm doing. But I'm I'm saying that we need clearer definitions in some of these rules. You know what For I mean? At least
0: consistency in the
1: decisions and so you're right at least consistency in the same game <laughs> you know what i yeah. mean like you call something one way and then you call something the other i mean and it's even worse when both of those end up on opposite ends of you know for for whatever fan base you're rooting for
2: yeah and targeting i mean you had a very important targeting penalty yeah. you know that second drive that they had pulled off of the pit player you know earlier in that game and so you know yeah really frustrating to see that happen
1: yeah, that was yeah probably one of the worst. I've seen some bad officiated games over of, over the years, and that was probably one of one of the worst ones. It's I still Big know, 12 refs yeah, yeah. So. it was Big Twelve refs, and <laughs> I th- I don't think that I don't know. I really don't know. I I've never seen a game so many times where they went to a replay booth and then picked up a flag. Yeah, it. Makes I don't think one time it helped, and time. I don't
2: think one time it helped us out.
1: No. No, other than yeah, – I mean, no, no, you're right. In fact, they, threw, they took.
0: they took five minutes to make the call. They didn't ever – never once did they throw a flag, come out and make a call. They threw a flag, grouped together for 10 minutes and asked where they was eating dinner and all that. I guess I don't know what all they was doing in there and then went and made the call. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's why – and I brought this up
2: when Jordan and I were talking on Twitter. I think the reason why I hyper-focus on the punt and not necessarily the refereeing calls is because, like, that's something we can't control whatsoever. You know, I can't control Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, having the biggest fluke of his life and have let one slip through his hands. You know, like you can't control that. Reese Smith, that catch, you can't, I can't do anything about that. And I think that that's why I look at the punt and I'm like, Neil Brown, that's something you could have changed. Like that's something that we could have changed. And, and I, I think that's where it comes out as a carping on it. But that's just like the one big flaw that I saw in that whole entire game, which is great. You know, I'm glad I don't have like other than our offensive line jumping off sides way too many times. Um, you know, that's something that should have been cleaned up. That still frustrated the crap out of me, but you know, they came in there as our biggest question mark and it's going to happen first game jitters. Um, you know, but I think that that's why I hyper-focus on the punt is because that's the one thing that I feel like we could have changed and, you know, can't do much about bad reffing, but you.
0: Yeah, everything else. I mean, there's a lot of hypotheticals, but a lot of them you can't really change, but you know, Neil Brown could have took charge and, Change that one but uh what is it steven what you got positive let's on the positive positive. side of
1: things i uh i said in our prediction routing table this year that uh i think that we split the series or split you know this year with winning one game against our rival and losing one game i thought that that would be uh a pit win and a a loss to virginia tech but judging how things went for for old virginia tech friday or grant wells
2: poor west virginia boy,
1: <laughs> buddy i tell you it's a uh it's a rough way to go yeah. over in blacksburg right now
0: and, if, if he keeps that up west virginia won't see grant wells it'll be yeah a
1: yeah i don't think it was yeah. just on grant wells either i mean there was some he didn't have much help
0: well they're they're about in the same spot we were 2019 in Neil brown's first year they they were decimated yeah. when Puente left and Puente didn't do a great job recruiting either. So it's gonna be a couple years for them until they get back hey, get But you know game, what? You know? We'll
1: get to keep that Black Diamond trophy up in Morgantown for a few years, like they kept it down in Blacksburg, so it'd be okay. Mm-hmm.
0: That's
2: right. Yeah. And I'll come out with another positive too. One of the one of the big positives I think kind of went unsung. Um is how our team reacted after the game. Um hearing JT Daniels talk oh. and that man that man didn't talk like he just lost the backyard brawl. That man talked like he yeah, he had confidence. He was like, you know, we came out there and we played really hard. And, you know, Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, 999 times out of 1,000 is going to catch that pass and, you know, turn it up for yards. He's not going to have that happen again. It's just a fluke, man. It's, it's just what happens. And, you know, he said he was confident in himself. He's confident in this team. They've got hunger. They've got a fire to win. You know, what we can't fix is a team that gives up. We're not a team that's given up. And so yeah, I, hearing them and hearing Neil Brown getting a little bit pissed off, you know, like I said, he's, he's needed to do that some, I think it shows that he knows that his career is on the line this year, that it really could be, you know, it, it is a bit of a show me year, even though, you know, some of us believe that even if this year doesn't go great, he's still got another year in him, but it's still, you know, seeing Neil Brown fired up was, was a good thing to see. You know, I need to see no Brown's got a very nice guy personality front face, but it, it's good to see him be a little pissed off.
1: Well, that's what I was getting at. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that, um, if anything, any every single person's reaction from the WVU staff or player coming out of that locker room after the game, they truly believe. I mean, no one believe, in the fan base is talking. People that were predicting a win very seldomly, they were – I mean, there was people just saying they WVU was going to win because they were a fan of them. Nobody be, really truly believe West Virginia was going to be that much better if you listen to a mass majority of the people. You know what I mean? Like We listen right. to shows. We watch all these shows. A lot of people were... And eh, we don't really know what we're going to have this year. We don't really know how good we are. West Virginia truly believed they were going to win that football game the other night. Mm-hmm. And they were truly absolutely confident should have won in that fact. Up until the very end, too. And and absolutely. you're absolutely right. They should have won that football game. And Man, I, I, I would be willing to bet that we're going to be in it in every single football game this this year. This is a talented football game, and I told my grandfather uh, just earlier on the phone, I think this is going to be a truly fun season to watch in West Virginia football because yes. it yeah, is a talented, yes. talented team. There's
2: no team in the Big 12 that watched that game Thursday night that feels better playing against West Virginia this year now.
0: Not one. Yep. People, yep. people were sleeping, and they're going to continue to sleep, but I'm telling you, yeah, this team has a lot of fight in them. I mean, that was the number 17 team in the country, the defending ACC champs. And not only were you in it, you should, like you said, you should have won it. You had the lead in the fourth quarter by seven. You were the better team on that field. Yeah.
2: yeah. So you were the better team on that field. And then also had the ball three minutes left.
0: Three minutes left. And if you catch a pass, you're going to have first down on their side of the field, down to two minutes left. And you're probably going to be able to wind the clock down and try a game winning field goal with the very worst go to overtime, even then. And also, you're talking about they were the number one rushing defense in the ACC. West Virginia is a team that has struggled to run the ball and nearly had 200 yards. If you take away the sacks, West Virginia did run for over 200 yards on the number one rush defense in the ACC. So you can't look at the performance. I know the loss sucked. I know the, there are some decisions you can question, you know, like the fourth down we talked about and some other things of course, and you hate the mental mistakes, but you can't look at this West Virginia team and tell me it's not the best West Virginia team you've seen in the past four seasons.
1: More than that, and I'm in my honest opinion, I, with all due respect to Will Greer, I'd like to watch him play. I think he was a great quarterback and a you know a great all time quarterback in our school's history. Um, I think that J T Daniels is better in my in my truly yeah. honest opinion. I think that, that Will Greer's um his best attribute was his his long ball throw you know he had a very good long ball i think jt's got great pocket awareness he has a great short me- to medium throw i've never been more of a fan of the bubble screen than i was thursday night <laughs> i've i can, i was i've never ever been a fan of the bubble screen that i can remember uh, you know until watching that game thursday night there's so many things that jt daniels can do that i seen just in one game thursday that was so refreshing I I guess just because we've seen what we've seen in the last few seasons. But, man, uh, yeah, sky's the limit for this football team, gentlemen. I truly believe that.
2: And I want to say that that pass to Reese Smith at the very end of the game, that was an elite-level pass. That man put that ball at only one place that his receiver could catch and no other person could put a hand on it. He says he could have brought it up a little bit. I don't know. That ball was placed perfectly. And he had faith in his receiver to go out there and catch it. And it still Absolutely. blows my mind every – I'm getting chills thinking about that pass because it was just that good. Yeah, and, you I, know, I've Will, seen I a few, Will Greer was, like, a good football player, but I think that he had – he was a great uh, – he had a great mentality, right? So, like, Will Greer had good talent, great mentality, and that made him a great player. And JT Daniels, I think, has that same great mentality, and he is going to have such more elite talent. And so, therefore, like the like you said, there there is no ceiling for this offense right now.
1: I was going to say, I've seen a bunch of people on, on social media saying that he if the ball was brought up just a little bit, then then Reese would have caught it. But I I absolutely 1,000% agree with you. I think he placed that ball in the only the only spot that he could have placed it without a pit defender being able to get a hand on it and swatted it away. I think it was perfect placement. I think Reese yeah. just needs to get just a little bit more of a hand under the ball.
0: Yeah, it was uh... – it was there. I mean, he he could have, you know, potentially done it. Um, but you know, JT said he had wished he could have got it up a little bit more. So maybe you know, if he'd put it up another inch, it's a for sure catch. Don't even have to go to the review booth. But like you guys said, I don't think that there's another quarterback that could have placed it any closer than what he did, probably that I know of. And yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. I think JT Daniels is better than Will Greer. Just being there from the you know the very first, not I mean the very first time he took a snap. Yeah, but the very first time he dropped back in the pocket broke down a little bit and he knew exactly where to step up to. Cause I thought, you know, we're just so used to what we've seen the past three years, I'm like, Oh sack. And then he just steps up into the perfect area or he rolls out of the, I'm just like, he just has it too. It's just like a sixth yeah. sense. He doesn't even look, he just feels it and knows it's, it's pretty impressive. And when you watch that, it definitely, definitely makes you very uh, thankful to have him after, you know, West Virginia has struggled to find a quarterback in recent years. So, like you said, the sky's the limit for this team, and definitely I think his although, offense. Although with a Jared Beggy
1: like is the active leader in the FBS and passing yard, gentlemen. Did you guys <laughs> did you guys she's catch been playing that since, uh little, been playing since when? little spot I mean, on a, game day the other day? Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't I didn't catch it.
1: Yeah, they did a whole uh, <clears little> segment <throat> on my guy.
2: Yeah, so you know, I hit a little bit of positive, negative. Our defensive backs have gotta gotta get some more work in, especially with yeah. losing Charles Woods. That's gonna be tough for the Big Twelve.
0: Yeah, that's hopefully he's healthy. I'm hoping to hear good news. I'm sure I think you yeah. probably press conference will hear something, you know, how long term his injury is, but hopefully it's not extensive.
2: I, mean, I heard he was really? in an aircast on Thursday night. He was at least in a boot.
1: I didn't hear that I heard that his ankle was heavily taped on in the second half, and he was in uniform trying to make a go uh, which tells me that he brain. cleared if if he were to, to decide to go. He might have had a precautionary medical cast on after the game, but as far as the second half, I know that he was at least in uniform and trying to
2: yeah, I think it'd be exciting to see Jacoby spells you got a chance to kind of like leak one of those you new guys in there. Yeah, you got a chance to kind of like leak one of those new guys in there. I say put him in there, see what he does.
0: Yeah, well, you're going to be either that or use these changes. next two
1: weeks to try to get back and healthier. You know, because mm-hmm. you have two right. games. That's what I think. I guess is at least a positive is you have two. You know, pretty be- right teams. You should have wins against in the next few weeks to to kind of get yourself squared away and back even minded yeah. to go into. Yeah. It's just scary because you know,
2: Kansas put up 56 points, which is scary no matter who yeah, you play. I've
1: seen, yeah, I've seen, I've seen that before from Kansas in a first game or two, you know, against some of these lower-level squads, and then they come out and they don't have nothing. But, you know, you're right. You don't, you don't ever know, especially under a new coaching staff like Kansas has.
0: Yeah. So. I think it's going to be an improved Kansas team. I, I mean, I did like what I saw. I think that their quarterback's good. I think they've got some good running backs, and they're going to try and run the ball on us so we can't come in hungover from this game and, you know, got to have the same mentality hit against Pitt when it comes to stopping the run. And yeah, I'm a little worried about the secondary with, with Woods out because I'm sure it'll seems like he'll probably at least be out for this game and Wesley McCormick, I guess is going to be out for the first half because of that targeting. So you're looking at Rashad Ajay and Wilson Lamp and, Nothing behind him, but uh true freshman probably and a, and a junior college guy in Jalen Shelton. So we'll see how that goes in the secondary. But uh, we'll get over to the other side of this coin, you know, and we'll talk about some negatives in a second. But there's definitely one more positive I had to bring up because I can't believe we're over half an hour through uh, this episode now. And we haven't talked about uh, C.J. Donaldson, guys. How, do, how, how have we not brought him up yet? I don't know. But. Because Brad keeps wanting
1: to talk about the fourth and one call. That's why. Why well, I brought it up because we had C.J. Donaldson. I said, you know, the guy was running. True, I brought him up true. a little bit. great point. a good point. The guy
2: was
0: averaging yeah. 12.2 yards after contact. Now that's true. That's true. You get, We did mention him in passing, but, I mean, I know we all heard, you know, when he moved from tight end to running back, I think everybody's ears perked up. And then when we heard Neil Brown again say he's probably going to play this season, we all kind of thought, okay, we'll see him some, but probably not first game of the season and then get closer to Pitt and no, he's going to play because he wasn't on the depth chart. So there was a question. He said, no, he'll play. Yeah, he plays. And he played <laughs> right away. I mean, one carry 44 yards set up West Virginia's first touchdown. I mean, the first three times this guy's ever touched the football, not only at West Virginia, not only in college, but the first three times he touched the football in the backyard brawl, a 44 yard run, a blocked punt, and then a five yard touchdown run. So, I mean, you can't really have a better debut than that. And, I don't know about you guys, but just the way that you know he was down on the depth chart and came in and exploded like that. You gotta Steve Slayton comes to mind, right?
1: Yeah, I mean uh, I think uh, stars yeah. are stars are talk. born in, in games like that. And and uh I I think that that game and that atmosphere truly makes people better athletes and better players moving forward. I think that's exactly what's gonna happen. He's already a great player, but yeah, man, I'm excited yeah. to see what the future holds for for that young man. But I truly, truly hate to think that uh, so negatively. And I, I think you guys know what I mean in seeing such a young player say, play so, so greatly, so fast. But, I mean,
0: it's,
1: a, 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 good, a, good confidence voters, a good confidence builder towards to that,
2: though, is the young guy said, you know, I think he wasn't getting a lot of looks out of, you know, high school immediately. So there was a little bit of, you know. These people a took a shot on me, so a little bit of loyalty. But the first thing he said at his conference is that he wanted to thank Tony Mathis and Justin Johnson for taking him under their wing and really helping him out and figure things out. So, you know, it doesn't even seem like – you know, he's he seems very humble, you know. And that's what you love to see in a kid. And so I think that that's somebody you can really build on. But I would like to see him line up at tight end. I want to see the kid catch the ball. Put him all over, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, excited to get get yeah,
1: yeah I'm excited to, to see him, him line up at several positions. Tight end, Does slot, put him got. I mean, put some packages in there. We're putting him at fullback. I mean, come on.
2: Hell, he'd be a great defensive end. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think play he'd play the guy
1: Anywhere. He's just a football play player.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, but put him with the spear. Well, that's what I'm interested in to see, though. Right? Is because he wasn't on the depth chart. I don't know how closely you know Pitt follows stuff. I mean, they probably knew that he was playing a running back and knew they may see him. But the thing is, he's not surprising anyone now. There's film on him. They know what he's good at. And I want to see what he can do with Kansas having a week to game plan for him and see if he comes out and has, you know, another great performance. I know it's Kansas, but you know, they're going to be focused on trying to stop him. So if he comes out and has another great performance, yeah, we're talking uh, something special. Not that we aren't already, but I just want to see it confirmed when, you know, people are preparing for him specifically and stuff. And that's when you really know, I guess, because he is a true freshman. So who knows? He may, you know, hit that freshman wall at some point, but right now, He's riding pretty high, and this and the ceiling is through the roof, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, make, make no, no mistake, mistake about it. That's what year. you want. Hopefully that's the good thing about him playing as a true freshman. So, Yeah, make no mistake <laughs> about it. A
2: lot of his yards were off of our – offensive line were blowing up holes. I mean, they, I mean blowing uh, up, run up holes. Run blocking
0: was incredible.
2: They were – I mean, and it was more of just C.J. Donaldson was hitting him full head of steam, and daring somebody did to try to tackle him, you know, which is what they've talked about. This is pretty much what they've said. You know, nobody wants to tackle him, and if our offensive line can give him a hole where he can just – Bury his head down and just you know get a full head of seam ahead of him. Why can't he do it every game? You know. Yeah. but I mean, If I you're like West to...
1: Virginia, that's what that's what you want. You know what I mean? You want. Mm-hmm. You don't want Tony Mathis, you know, being the one the, the guy every game to be getting filmed on. You, if you want a true stable true. of backs, then you want them to be able to. To go after other guys on the film and, and be able to scheme against those guys, so you have more options of what you can do. Against, you know, with other guys, I guess. And I think that's the, that's the true point. reason, which is a great point. I think that you that CJ Donaldson had the game that he had. You know, everybody knew that he might he might play, but then he comes out and plays like that. So now Kansas may scheme for CJ Donaldson more. Tony Mathis may come out and have a better game. I don't I don't mm-hmm. know, but that's it's really a truly positive. Thing, if you think about, it.
2: I mean, Teddy Mathis still looked good. I mean, he had almost 100 yards yeah, on Cody 14 Matt's carries.
0: bad,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: He looked just fine.
0: Yeah, and then Which, so uh, run game good, run blocking good, pass blocking still left a little yeah. bit to be desired. So let's flip it over. We'll talk the other side of the coin. Some cons, you know, from the game that you're. I've got one more positive about. about I got. I got one more positive.
2: Okay. Go ahead. J- JT Daniels to Bryce Ford Wheaton is the new Clint Trickett to Kevin White. Yeah, uh, it's 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 Very, the, that combo, that duo right now is just I don't know who's going to be able to stop that. No, chance. I just it's need some of our other receivers combo. to
0: step up too, though. I mean, they've targeted him what I think it was fifteen or sixteen times, and like I said, it's part of it's a good connection, but also uh, is the trust there with the other receivers? I, I don't know. And I think
2: – well, when I was going to this game, because you guys know I've been pitching Caden Prather for years now. And, you know, I had actually uh, – in, in an effort to get my girlfriend more involved in Mountaineer football, I gave her a favorite player three years ago uh, or two years ago, you know, and that was Caden Prather. And I told her, I said, you know, just keep an eye on him. I was like, he's going to get there. And so we were on the way up to the game. We were talking about it, and I was like, listen, I was like, Caden Prather's probably not going to show up in this game. <laughs> I was like – just my feeling about it, I was like, I feel like in the backyard brawl, we're definitely going to lean on Bryce Ward Wheaton and Sam James, just because those are the two veteran guys in the group. Those are the two most sure catchers, and so I think that that's just who I—that's who I felt like JT was going to throw it to the most in that game. It's pretty much what happened, mm-hmm. and uh, so I expect Caden Prather to really make a step up this week against Kansas. I'm sure we'll talk about that more in our preview, but I definitely expect our receivers to really start. I, I expect the ball to be spread out a lot more coming up uh, with this next week. But I think just the backyard brawl, um, having a lot on the line, I, I, it didn't surprise me that he hyper-focused Price Ford Wheaton and uh, St. James.
1: I think that your guy is going to be really involved more this year. In uh, I mean, reesmith Smith by, by your guy. Yeah, I got you know, a couple. <laughs> but, yeah, you got a, you got a few that you're really, really high on. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But I think yeah. reesmith Smith, uh, I think that he's going to do some things this year that's really going to surprise some people in our fan base. And uh, I'm excited for it. I'm here for it.
2: Yeah, he gives yeah. me a lot of uh. Oh,
1: God, I I brought his name Wes up. Welker vibes.
2: Yeah, I brought him up a few years
0: uh, ago. Hunter Renfro.
1: Or Hunter Renfro. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah,
0: that's uh, that's who I think of too when I think of him. But um, you know, your your positive Bradley kind of spins into one of my negatives. So I'll kick it off because there was a couple units I was you know disappointed in. One we kind of touched on briefly, and that's the secondary. But the unit that I was really disappointed in outside of Bryce Ford wheaton was the wide receivers. You know, I thought that we'd see a lot of them have, you know, good games and step up and drops were an issue again. You know, we talked about, of course, the most hurtful drop was the one that ended up, you know, leading to the deciding score. But there was plenty of others throughout the game. And then, of course, the costly fumble. As soon as you get a fumble from Pitt, they're screen and give one right back. And, you know, so the receivers, you know, more or less kind of let me down, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, Not that it was all negative. You know, there were some bright spots, you know, BFW and some good catches still in there. You know, Prather and Sam James did make a couple plays each and stuff. But all in all, I thought I guess I thought we would have a stronger receiver in core than what we have, because right now it looks like we've got one dude and then just another cast of guys. But hopefully that changes. But, you know, got to get into some cons. And that, that was one for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think I can agree with that. I think there was a lot of – I went back and I finally had a chance to be able to watch the game again today, uh, replay of it. And and there was absolutely – there were several throws, if not most, <laughs> most all throws that were missed catches were right on the money. I mean, they should have been catches. I mean, they were over-the-shoulder catches that were right through the bread basket, um, right where a quarterback needs to place a football – for the receiver to be able to catch it and they just simply didn't um but there's also uh like you said there's there's bright spots as well you know there was also a very very fine catch by bryce ford wheaton um in the middle of four pit defenders uh, and he went up and just grabbed that thing out of the air mm-hmm. in the middle of all of them and so i think that there's definitely areas that we've improved on but i think that there's also areas that they still need to improve on. And a lot of it could have been the emotion of the football game and, and being the first game, being that much emotion into a football game could have played a lot into it. And I'm sure played at least some factor into it, uh, which I, I, I'm on the, the end of believing that, you know, the Bryce Ford Wheaton miscatch was part of the emotion of the football game. He's just excited to get up the field and didn't watch it all the way in, you know, mistakes happen. Kid had a great game. I, I think that that mistake is more critical than the fourth than the decision to not go for it on fourth and one. In my mind, I'm not going to harp on the kid. I don't think that anybody should bash the kid, or, or or shame him in any way. But I, I've, you know, mistakes happen in football, and I think that that's what that was. I think that it was a bad mistake in a football game, and it was a critical error that cost us, um, you know, what ended up being a 14 point swing. But anyway, the receivers definitely need to improve on looking the ball in on a more consistent basis uh, with that said i think that Pitt secondary definitely impressed me because west virginia's route running uh, was very very fundamental in the first part of the game and then in the end of the game you notice west virginia have to improvise with some of the route running uh, so so i thought that if anything i thought that Pitt secondary just did a good job of making West Virginia's receivers work all night. Uh, But with that said, I think that there's plenty of room for improvement.
2: Yeah. And I definitely think that, you know, if it's kind of got to be a short leash, I think in my opinion, if these guys aren't going to start catching balls and stepping up, you've got Cortez, Braham, Jeremiah, Aaron, and Preston Fox, who we had heard another guy we had heard about all during spring ball. And, you know, of course, none of us really expected them to get that much playing time, but, it's the guy that they talked a lot about. And if they're if our wide receivers aren't going to be catching balls, then you know, put out a guy out there that they've said has done nothing but catch balls. Um. Mr. Fox. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it, it is just how it is. And I was gonna say, I think Reesmith Smith, he reminds me a lot of Jordan Thompson. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was here for four years. Yeah. He just always seemed to be that third down receiver. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, just consistent hands. If you threw it to him, he caught it. Usually no more than twelve yards. And so, know, yeah, just him, Jordan Thompson. That's who I always just relate him to it, and I love Jordan Thompson as a player. I can see it. But yeah, so as as wide receivers, like I said, I expect them to take a huge step up this weekend. I, I think that it was, you know, um, JT Daniels really just wanting to win this game and trusting on the one guy he knew could get it done and was showing that he could get it done. And so, you know, I, I think that th- this weekend we're going to see a little bit different and a lot more production from our other wide receivers. So I, I I know they weren't that great, but I'm not too concerned about it.
0: Right, and it goes back to what Steven said about about the running backs also, right? Like people are going to focus on BFW now, so... Sam James might be open in the middle more. We Smith getting played right through on the other side. So yeah, it's definitely gonna gonna change going forward. But I definitely think you know BFW set for a good season and uh, looking if you know if he did plays like that all season, he'll be a thousand yard guy for for the Mountaineers this season. So it's not all bad with the receivers, but you know can definitely improve for sure. Uh, another con for me. I know we talked about the second year we talked about mental mistakes, but tackling. My goodness. How, how bad was t- I mean, and that's the thing is West Virginia has been a good tackling team for the most part. You know, I thought the past couple of seasons really, but I think that that's what hurt the defense more than anything is you know they've got good pressure and stuff. And but when Pitt would complete a pass, they'd complete a five yard pass, and then it ended up a twenty yard gain. I mean, the touchdown that tied the game up at thirty one thirty one was just a three little du- three yard dump off pass check down for Keaton Slovis. and the running back breaks three tackles, hits the sideline, and scores a twenty some yard touchdown. And it was just like that all night, you know, not even just arm tackles, but taking bad angles at at guys when they're running down the field. It was – I'm like, what are we doing? So, I don't know, to me, that that was probably my biggest con of the game was was tackling that really just – I hated to see that.
2: Yeah, and I think that's one of those things where it's just – I think that's how college football is nowadays, where, you know, you're just not seeing as much tackling and stuff during – I don't know during summer or fall and stuff like that. So, um, again, I'm going to chalk that one up to – it was bad. It was ugly. Um, I think that the bad angles worried me more than the bad tackling. Um, just so not pursuing that. But, um, yeah, I think that just not being able to tackle is just a first-game thing, and I, I expect that to improve again week after week. I think that, you know, just guys don't ta- – we don't tackle as much anymore. And, you know, that's understandable. Truth people getting so hurt and stuff, so. Um, I would. I think that it's more of an issue of taking horrible, horrible lines, uh, rather than you know, in in tandem to just bad tackling.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a multitude of a couple different things. I think it's it's that, but I think it's also, like you said, guys don't get you know the practice that they used to in the off season anymore. You know, you get a few weeks, and most of those weeks, most of those days are filled in with, you know, non contact. You know, a lot of guys don't really have the opportunity to get in full, you know, real good tackling reps because even when you're going, you know, live in those scrimmages, you know, you're not going full out because you don't want to hurt your teammates. So I think that might have something to do with it. But I think that also, you know, there was a lot of youth being played in the football game the other night, you know, and not just youth, but a lot of new faces and a lot of players that you know, they may have played in big football games, but very few players have played in an atmosphere. I know for a fact very few players have played in an atmosphere like that because there's only been a few times in my life where I've been in football games with it's that guy. never
2: coach. happened in Pittsburgh.
1: I'll tell you that. It's <laughs> so,
2: never happened in Pittsburgh.
1: So I'll tell you, I mean, I mean, those those things affect you as a player. I mean, I mean it's, it's easy for us to sit here as fans and critique every single, single little thing that a player does or a coach does or Or this, that, and a third, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we know that, we get that. But those in high emotion moments, there's always going to be things that that we go back. And I think that's part of the fun of the game, though. I think that if anything, that shows the passion that's still dealt into to this game and into this team. I guess you could say. Whereas a lot of, you know, we were sitting here a few weeks ago and we're saying, does college football still have the passion that it used to? I think that that, you know, bodes well in the statement of saying that it does, that that it, it's a positive thing moving forward into the future for for the sport. And hopefully that some of these TV deals that are, you know, coming into play now that they're, everybody's talking, you know, they see that and they see this kind of market, you know, it only helps. So definitely.
0: Yeah, and I'll say, like, I had a
2: blast at that game. I thought it was so much fun.
1: Oh, fantastic.
2: Um, you know, and I, I didn't talk crap the whole time. You know, I just made it I made it a concerted effort to acknowledge every Mountaineer I saw, you know, just like walking down the street, saw somebody in the WV, I'd shout out, you know, let's go Mountaineers. It's not, you know, yelling, eat shit, pit every chance I get. It's not, you know, down talking pit fans every second I got. But it was yeah. encouraging the Mountaineers that we had there. And, you know, I thought that we gave them hell all night as fans. You know, I, we were definitely noticeable. That whole 75, 25 bull crap that was popping up and people not understanding even what that was, and just getting caught up in the numbers. Um, you know, we showed up, and that's all that really mattered. We were loud. We, we were part of that game, and, you know, I, we, didn't let, we didn't let up on pit all night as fans, and our football team didn't either. And that, that was a lot of fun to me. I, I thought it was a blast.
1: Well, I'll say this. <laughs> I had a great day. I had a great time. That'll probably be the last time that I ever attend a uh a backyard brawl in that city. Uh the way that and the crews will test this, the way that, that we were treated. Uh other than and this doesn't count the uh the tailgate and PNC Park because um I think it was Silas that and invited us to was that Silas that invited us? I believe us to it was that?
0: Silas that first posted it in the chat and yeah, one of the streams
1: yeah. Well, shout out to you, Silas, because that was awesome. That was a very, very truly phenomenal event that they had over there with the band and the cheerleaders and, you know, just renting out the entire PNC park. And it was, it was really, really, really cool to see that. Um With that being said, I've, I've seen no hospitality from any pit fan that I've seen that night. It was nothing but, you know, slanderous talk. No one, no one. And I mean, no one um, was, was even the slightest of being nice. So, that uh, that just confirmed, you know, my thoughts about that. I, I can respect a player that plays at Pitt. I will always stand firm in my in my feelings towards anybody who roots for that team, and and they look down upon us. And I think you guys can understand more so than what you did in the past because it was your first backyard brawl live, seeing it in person. Oh yeah. Hopefully, you can understand what my thoughts are more than what you did a few a few nights ago. Uh, but yeah, I'm. I'm not a fan of anybody that can root for for that school and and be. <laughs> I, I just I'm sorry, but no hospitality yeah. shown. I'm probably I'm pro- I'm probably just ranting on now, and I'm sorry for for. No,
0: you're book. good. No, wait, listen. <laughs> we don't like them. They don't like us. Just like Pac Man said in that video, you know, before the game, I thought that was great. Put we don't like them. They don't like us.
2: Yeah, I did think it was it funny was a- though. Um on, on my way out, we were walking down the stands. Uh, and a, a pit fan was trying to get a "Let's go pit" cheer going, and literally a pit fan responded, "They're like, oh, we're too wore out for that." And I was like, "If <laughs> that, the Mountaineers that just the fan yeah. base perfectly," <laughs> I was like, "If the Mountaineers just won the backyard brawl in Morgantown, you would not be able to get anybody to shut up."
1: Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Even being there like during the game, like we scored to go up 31-24 in the fourth quarter. And then stopped him and got the ball back with like six minutes left. And mm-hmm. I remember when it's like a TV timeout and they played some music, or whatever, and it was showing their fans on the Jumbotron and they're literally all dancing around happy as can be. Like and literally if that was Mountaineer Field and the WVU had just turned like gave the, the ball brist. back to them, you know, by seven with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, there wouldn't be a song playing. There, there wouldn't, you would hear a pin drop in the stage just they don't it's like they don't care the way that we care.
1: Yeah, their passion isn't those, isn't our passion because they're you know they have Pitt, but you know if Pitt doesn't do good, then there's always the Steelers or there's always the Pirates. So there's all, you know West Virginia, we that we all we got That's <laughs> it. our we state versus got,
0: their neighborhood, so. right?
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, well, so we well said. We our passion outpasses their passion every day. I promise you that.
0: Absolutely, and I can't wait till next year when we get that dub in Morgantown.
1: Yep. I'd also like to.
2: Another thing I thought I'd bring up too is um, some places we got right. You know, here's a squad is talking about sack leaders. I picked Jared Bartlett, and I think Steven picked Dante Mm -hmm. Stills. And uh, they're both both tied right now. Both tied right now. Both of them look really great. Dante Stills and Ashley. You guys should go check out if you guys haven't already. I know we're at the end of this video, but you guys should go check out Jordan's videos that he just put out on the best offensive players mm-hmm. and the best yeah. defensive players. That was some good shit, Jordan. I say I really like hearing that. I Dante, great Dante grading out in an eighty-seven point one just blew my
0: mind. Insane, insane. Blew well, the mind. thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do that uh, for every game as much as I can. Do at least just do the top five offensive graded players, top five defensive graded. Uh, pretty cool, you know, just a little something from PFF. But one thing I, you know, digging in, I know we'll get into our players of the game soon and get out of here before too much longer. But, uh, you know, was it before we, you know, I've harped on about everything I want to harp on, but there's there's one more thing because it really stuck out. And when you brought up the numbers and made me think of it. it, almost slipped my mind. We talked about pass blocking, struggling, and it did. And looking at the grades for our West Virginia's pass blocking, the only one that really had a great grade was, was Doug Nestor. I believe he was 80-plus. And then it was like Michael Laughlin, and actually C.J. Donaldson, like second and third. But as far as linemen go, then Zach Frazier was decent. Um, Jordan White was decent. But Jaquay Hubbard struggled, of course. I think that's – you know, we all kind of knew that was the right tackle was going to be the weakness. And once Jordan White went down with an injury, which hopefully he's okay as well, and Doug Nestor slid over the pass protection, struggled a little bit. But most surprising to me, do you know who struggled the most in pass blocking?
1: Sounds
0: like <laughs> James James oh uh.
1: James Gemitter.
0: You know, his okay for for comparison. I think Nestor's pass blocking grade was somewhere in the eighties. Uh, Jordan White, Zach Frazier, um, somewhere in the sixties. You know Wyatt Milan right there too. James Gemitter, I mean and jo- Jaquay Hubbard was in the fifty fifty or forty range. Still not not very good. But uh, James Gemitter, You know I hate to harp on people, but his pass blocking grade was a nineteen point six boys. And I don't know if that's just because the opponent, because we know Pitt had a very strong pass rush, and maybe, you know, Kalaja Kansi was his matchup or something like that. I'm not 100% sure I'd have to dig into that further. But that really, I was like, what? I couldn't believe it was like that. But I'm, I'm sure he'll bounce back. I think emitters good. But that Pitt pass rush is real, and their defensive line is, you know, 10, 12, 13 deep. So West Virginia just faced, you know, arguably the best defensive line they faced. So I know the pass blocking looked bad, but I think a lot of that's a product of be, it being pit, especially with how much improved run blocking looked. But
1: Yeah, but you know what? West Virginia still got to play uh, Baylor, who has a great defensive line. They've got to play Oklahoma State, who has a great defensive line. They've got to play true. Oklahoma, who's going to have a pretty good defensive line. So so if anything, I think that, uh, you know, playing that in your first game against what might be the best defensive line in the country, hey, that's, uh, you know, get you ready and get you going for the, the rest oh, yeah. of the season. And, that, you know, I want. I, I want to say that you know, there's so many people. You know, and I grew up watching West Virginia football, and and the only thing that you ever heard when West Virginia was winning, um, with Pat White back in the day, was, well, they don't ever play nobody. You know, they don't their schedule their schedule's weak. They don't ever play nobody. You know, they joined the Big Twelve Conference, and now they 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 schedule people that are you know noteworthy, and now everybody's like, well, our schedule's too tough. Well, <laughs> what, what are we supposed to do? You know what? Can't win. So I mean you can't <laughs> I don't know. That's one thing that I've I have been pretty annoyed with in just terms of <laughs> just generality. I get things, that.
0: But. I get that. It's you can't win for losing in that <clears> aspect <throat> it seems. But uh yeah. we've talked positives, we've talked negatives. One more thing to do here for the review and reaction at the end, and that is our players of the game. Uh Steven will let you kick it off earlier. Bradley will let you kick it off to close. Player of the game on offense, player of the game on defense in game one of the 2022 WV football season. Uh, I'm still doing...
2: in – the... wait,
1: wait. You said you got to
2: go first. No, I get to go first. Oh, my bad. Well,
0: yeah, my bad. I probably go. presented that pretty confusing. But... was
2: okay. uh,
1: Jordan's it's okay. fault, man. My bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to still in first then. C.J. Donaldson, player of the game on offense. Guy, oh, Dave Hughes, absolutely elite. On the higher going anybody else but you can go Bryce Ford beaten I get the argument for that. I hope when you guys pick him up. But uh and I'm gonna take the easy one on defense too. Dante still is grading out at 87.1. Mm-hmm. Fairmont native. He showed up for the game, and you know, that guy's playing his way into the NFL and hopefully a, a nice, nice draft pick.
1: Steven? All right. Well, I'm going I was gonna go CJ, but for the sake of being different, very different on offense. I'm, I'm going to say JT. I, you know, I think that, um, you know, with the team in in need of a true leader at, at that position, um, I think he showed up and showed out. I think that he was way better than advertised, and I think that he's going to be uh, very, 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 very talented at the position, obviously, but I think that he's obviously going to be a great leader for this team. Um Defensively, I'm going to go a little bit different as well. I think that, uh, Dante obviously played a great game, but I'm going to go with my, my man Lee Koba. Uh, you know, okay. he, yep. he got his, he was in there pretty much. If he didn't make a tackle, he was almost there to make the tackle. I think he ended up with 10 total tackles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, I think somewhere so around like, that number. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love the way that Dante played, but for the sake of being different, um, uh, uh, I'm going to go with uh, go with Lee.
0: Well said. Great choices all around. Um, you guys took, you know, kind of the top ones, really. But, like I said, I like we like to keep it different. So, uh, you know, Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, and JT Daniels were kind of my top two picks. I mean, sorry, CJ Donaldson and JT Daniels. But Bradley already mentioned BFW. But to be different, I'm going to go Doug Nestor. I thought, you know, he played great on that offensive line, especially when we are looking at the grades and stuff. Really stuck out, and you can tell a big difference from, you know, last season when he had to start with that cast on his hand. Now he's, you know, had a complete offseason, completely healthy, and looks really great. So I'll go Doug Nesser on offense to be different. And then on defense, Jared Bartlett, you know, we mentioned him a little bit earlier, one and a half sacks in the game. Thought he looked like a completely different player, a lot bigger, a lot stronger, just still kept the speed. And I think he could be a force at bandit this season, especially with the attention that West Virginia's defensive line draws. It's going to be hard. It's going to be pick your poison there. If you focus on one, somebody else is going to open up. So like Bartlett on defense, like, you know, what the defensive line did uh, pass rushing in general. So that's the players of the game. I appreciate everyone that tuned in and chat. You know, we like to do our um, rea- review and reaction recordings live. This one's on our channel here if you're watching on the YouTube side. Next week, though, starting, they're going to be not only on our channel, but they're going to be immediately following the games and it's going to be on the voice of college football channel as well. So if you haven't go to the West Virginia Mountaineers at the voice of college football channel, subscribe that up. Bradley's going to be hosting there this week following the Kansas game. Me and Steven are going to try and uh, join from our phones following the game, but definitely it will be there. So that'll be coming up. That'll be season five, episode 133. Before that, we'll have episode 132, our Kansas preview released sometime this week. But hopefully uh, also this week we will try and do a Q&A live stream where we can interact more with you guys in the chat that uh, tuned into this live. But appreciate you guys tuning into this live recording of Season 5, Episode 131. Like I said, subscribe to the West Virginia Mountaineers Voice College Football channel. Also subscribe to the West Virginia Sports Now channel if you haven't subscribed already. We are now a part of their podcast network over there at WVUSportsNow.com and a part of the Sports Now network as their official fan show for West Virginia. So uh, definitely subscribe there. The full episode of this podcast in its entirety will be on their YouTube as well as all of our other podcasts that go along with ours. And that being said, if you're watching on YouTube on the video side, hit the like button if you haven't already. It'll help this video's performance and help our future video's performance. And subscribe no matter which channel you're tuning in on. That'll help us and help you and help get more of this Mountaineer football content. Out to Mountaineer Nation. That being said, gentlemen, Season 5, Episode 131 pretty much in the books. West Virginia falls in the season opener, but we've got a lot of good hope for the rest of the season, it seems like. That being said, any final thoughts, know before we get ready to wrap up this edition of the Country Roads webcast?
1: Uh, I am very optimistic, like I said, about this football team um, and truly excited for, for the rest of this season. Um, other than that, Huggy Bear getting inducted to the the college hoops Hall of Fame, or the basketball Hall of Fame in just a few days, and also Deshaun Butler accepted a job with the New York Knicks as, as an assistant coach. So, congrats to my guy Ooh. on that!
2: Wow, nice! That's awesome. Maybe that's he can awesome. get deuce, deuce off the G League team. <laughs>
1: he deserves <laughs> to be deuce, off the G League oh, team. Uh, that's, so that's that's a atrocity right there. I don't know it how is. in the world that my man he scores thirty a night. How are you still in the Julius?
0: Thibodeau don't play like rookies. Thibodeau won't play rookies for nothing. So hopefully now maybe he's not a rookie. He'll get more playing time. Hopefully,
1: man. Yeah, I hope so. Sad, sad for my guy. Yeah. Happy for one of my guy. Sad for my other guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Happy, Deshaun, that's great. And and Huggy can't you know can't don't forget Huggy getting. Oh yeah,
1: congrats so Huggy Bear.
0: Yeah. Congrats, I
1: know you hate him, Brad, but he, he made it despite <laughs> what you think of.
0: <laughs> oh, here we go. Hey, uh, before basketball, yeah, like, no, basketball season comes around, you're all going to have that plenty of time for that debate. Okay. <laughs> Bradley, final thoughts?
2: Yeah, uh, if you guys haven't watched it, go look at Neil Brown's uh, Twitter post that he had put out, a uh, little, little two-minute snippet talking about how, uh, you know, I think he was really taking uh, – taking this loss seriously and saying, you know, don't get discouraged. We still got to show up. This team's not done fighting, and so neither should our fans uh, be done fighting. And, you know, guys, we got a lot. Of, this minor team looks way better than what it did, and I think that we've got a really exciting season ahead of us. So let's make sure we show up, show out. Yeah,
0: we'll Absolutely. See. Great point, point. and I'm glad you brought that up. Almost forgot to mention that. Glad you didn't and brought it in here at the end because I thought that was awesome. Tells, tells you everything you need to know about Neil Brown and his personality and how much the game meant to him, and he wants your Nation knows know that as well, and more importantly knows how much it means to the state. So it was almost like, hey, I'm sorry, didn't get it done, but, hey, stick with us because uh, the wins are coming, and hopefully we'll be here to chronicle them along the way. And the next thing we'll be chronicling is our Kansas preview. That will be Season 5, Episode 132, our Kansas preview and predictions. Coming at you midweek and also hopefully – a live stream sometime this week where we can get a little Q&A in with you guys here in the Country Roads webcast community. That being said, appreciate everyone that tuned in, whether you're tuned in on the video side or the audio side. On the audio side, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, leave us a review. That helps us there. And like I said, on the video side, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you haven't. And we'll be back here to do it again in the future. Appreciate everyone that tuned in. That being said, for Bradley and Steven, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go. Mountaineer. If
1: you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...